everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 162. Let's talk about piracy. Recorded September 28th, 2014, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroach, and joined by, join me, joining me, people with me this week, uh, are, are, are your friends and mine, Mr. Chris the Gooey Kid Neves and Seth. <laughs> No, broken. What is is broken? (laughs) No, there's a problem with that. I was gonna. Okay, Chris, the command line Godfather Neves, and Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Welcome, welcome all. It's gonna be a great show. Broken show that we call Linux. I wondered if anybody (laughs) would notice that. You did. You you went right with it. I thought. I thought maybe I can slip that in, and they won't know the difference. Chris is gonna be the Gooey Kid tonight. And Seth will be the command line no, guy. No. no, didn't work. No, no, no. I, I think we caught yeah. you on that one because that actually implies that I thought about it ahead of time. Mm. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chris, welcome back. You weren't with us last week. You were busy well, being you. a family man. Pff, whatever. Like family's more important uh, than a podcast. I know. <laughs> Jeez, and I wasn't even in town to even catch it. Even if you would have tried to call me, I was, you know, a couple hundred miles away. Which is how far you have to go to get groceries, right? Some days. <laughs> I had a family-packed weekend. My youngest daughter had her sixth year birthday. She's actually turning six on Tuesday Aww. when we had a party this Saturday. It was a Frozen-themed party. Uh, surprise, ah. surprise. So I went to a local party store here, and we bought the balloons there. I don't know. At some point in the past, my wife bought balloons there. And their thing is, if you buy them here, you can get them refilled. You can get them filled for free. So the the day of the party, we went up there to have them filled. And I was pay, uh, customer number four in line. Three more came in behind me while I waited. All but two of us had frozen themed balloons. It's a very popular <laughs> theme. Yeah, just a little bit. My daughter would have been in heaven. My wife made an Elsa cake in which the cake was the dress and there was a doll in the middle of it. Looks, she's amazing like that. And yes, we made, that I saw cool. pictures yeah. of that on Facebook. It looked really good. We played pin the nose on the, uh, Olaf. Um, yeah. Aww. K- kids, kid fun. Uh, and then to, then today Very we had so. a, a, uh, tailgate party i say that because it wasn't real tail I, I put the air quotes in there i hope you heard air air quotes over the air over the, on the audio uh at our church because churches like to do stuff that seems relevant but isn't really and uh so basically we just got together after church and cooked stuff and uh so i had an all day a full day of stuff yesterday where we had uh you know the cooler full of drinks and all that stuff out at the park for the party and then today we did uh burgers and dogs and uh uh, uh shrimp boil uh, and I was in charge of all the cooking for that. So I did lugged coolers around for that. I feel like I've gone, you know, the back to lifting weights like I used to. My muscles are so sore from lifting coolers because you throw t- two cases of drinks and 20 pounds of ice in something and it gets heavy. It's very much yep. so. And oddly enough, the tailgate of my truck picked just yesterday to stop going down. So I had to lift everything all the way oh. over the truck. Um, today, by the way, works fine. Now that I'm done lifting things in and out, it's fine. But that's what you get for driving an eight-year-old car with 180-something thousand miles on it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Time to buy a new one. I know the feeling. You know, I, uh, no. <laughs> I buy them new, brand spanking new, 20 miles or less on them, and drive them until the doors fall off. And then I go buy another new one. That's the way I do things. I haven't had a car payment now in five years. Wow. Uh, which means in another two or three years, I'll have to have a car payment. And then we'll try to get that paid off before the next car payment. That's the way we usually roll. There's like 10 years of car payments, 10 years of no car payments. You know, we got to roll it like that. That works. We've got kids yeah, coming I- up, so that's going to be all blown up soon. Yeah, I drive a car till it falls apart. It's just for me, that's like four or five years. So, well, you drive seven hundred miles uh-huh. a week. I mean, a day. So you know, yeah, you expect that. Yeah, uh, my car's got a little over like a hundred thirty, hundred forty thousand on it, and I'm hoping uh, to get one more year out of it, and then uh, we'll see what happens. I was in a friend's car today for just a, a brief trip, and it's kind of falling apart the the door liners are falling off and and i said wow this thing's got some some age on it and he said yeah it's got 113,000 miles i was that's just getting warmed up 113,000 miles <laughs> yeah no kidding but that's he's ridiculous. one of the guys who doesn't drive a lot so it's very old it's like 10 12 years old and it has 113,000 wow. miles on it. i i passed that within usually four years yeah that's a, that's a Texan. That's the way Texans yeah. drive. And and Montana, I suppose, is the same way. But around here, in Atlanta, everything's yep. 20 miles away. So people just don't put miles on cars. Yeah, see, for, like, just for my job, um, I put 100 miles on my car a day just to go to work. That's an hour away, so. Well, that was a weird digression. None of this was anything we planned to talk about, but just, it goes that way. So. One thing I yeah. did wanted to mention is I upgraded my laptop from Mint 16 to Mint 17 this week. And uh, I Ooh. never recommend in-place upgrades for any operating system. Certainly not, you know, when people were going from like Windows XP to, to 7 or, or uh, XP to Vista, Vista to 7, whatever. I always recommended that they do a clean install. Even if you can't, even if you buy the upgrade media, don't do upgrade. Um, but I thought... You know, right. Linux, one of the Linux's strong points is it's supposed to be non-modal, right? I love the fact that I can update anything up to and including the kernel without having to reboot. So I thought, I'm going to try an in-place upgrade, which is really simple. You just replace your repository linkages to the new repository and hit upgrade. Yep. So I tried that, and everything came crashing to a halt, um, which oh, didn't surprise whoops. me in the least. Um, it took two hours two and a half hours to download all that and reconfigure it and then it didn't work so because i follow my own advice and have a separate home partition and a separate os partition i just uh grabbed the media popped it on a usb stick grabbed the the iso wiped out my os partition reinstalled it in like 12 minutes and it works great so bottom uh, the moral of that story is don't try in place upgrades even if they work they take longer yeah but it's just not worth it. Yep. yep. Unless you're on a rolling right. Those that, then it just happens. And then it might. Then it's worth. Yeah. Then right. it's just magic. Yeah, you just, do an you don't even know. <laughs> do an, uh, don't do an in-place upgrade of Arch. Always reinstall. I'd <laughs> 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 be reinstalling it every day. Yeah, no kidding. You get really good at it on the, on the bright yeah. side. But the yeah, downside of that is, uh, if you've never done this... Um, Yes, your home system, home partition stays, all your preferences stay, your background and your, you know, the way you have windows put, all that stuff stays, your documents are stay, but the actual programs themselves may be gone because they were on the file system, the, the, uh, 
uh, operating system partition. So I, I fired yep. this thing up and tried to launch one of my wine apps. Nothing happened because I didn't have wine on Wine's there. broken. Um, today I come yep. down to the studio and try to use Synergy to control my things. Doesn't work because Synergy's not there. So you just, you end up having to remember, oh yeah, that was something I installed. That's the neat thing about Linux is so many things come with it that you don't often have to install much and it's easy to forget. Did I install this one or was it already there? In the Windows world, is it WordPad? No. Then I installed it. Um, yep. Right. <laughs> or Calc. Don't forget the mighty <laughs> <Yeah>. Calc. <laughs> oh, Minesweeper, yes. you're good. Otherwise, you probably installed it. Yeah, it is what it is. So but That's uh, why we love Linux. Yeah, so don't take it from me. Don't do an in-place update. Also, upgrade, I mean. Uh, updates is fine, of course. Do in-place updates. Don't do in-place upgrades. And yep. uh, 16 to 17, uh, minor enhancements, probably not even worth the trouble to upgrade, frankly, other than 17 is the long-term release. Yep. So that's, that's the reason to upgrade. That would be the only reason to move forward with um, 16 to 17, at least in my opinion at this point. Yeah, minor t- UI tweaks. Uh, one thing that I did uh, that benefited me personally, my particular Wi-Fi card the Intel um, 9.5 something or other card didn't handle wireless N support well with the old version, the old driver uh-huh. that was in it. It was actually a kernel problem, but that kernel oh. you could upgrade w- with the old version too. Anyway, that's fixed for me now. And that becomes oh. important because I also upgraded my uh, my router. You know, I, I talked before about the fact that my Boris box died a while back and I just replaced it with a you know, a thing I literally pulled out of a box in the basement. I have spares laying around everywhere. And it had just gotten wonky. It just, you know, it was it was old. When I did the firmware update, it updated to a 2009 version of the firmware. That was the latest version wow. I could update to. Wow. Uh, so, you know, it's got some, some miles on it, um, and it just wasn't just working. Uh, so I bought a new Buffalo router uh, with the DDWRT baked right in. It came with DDWRT firmware. So you get all that great, uh, you know, built-in VPN support, built-in multiple uh, uh, SSIDs, scheduling, um, you know, um, uh, access control, uh, traffic shaping, all that stuff is built right in. Trouble is, it's not well documented at all. Uh, So you have to go back and forth to the DDWRT forums to find help. But if you're a sophisticated guy, if you're using DDWRT anyway... You're probably sophisticated enough to figure it out or go go find help. But I got to say, I'm very impressed with this thing. It was, I can't remember the model number. If I remember, I'll put it up there. But it's uh, one of the more expensive ones. It's not your basic go down to Best Buy and pick it up. It was 190, 195, somewhere around there. But my signal throughput went way up. I mean, I, I used to barely get signal here in the basement and the, the router is right above me. Um, wow. and I had a hard time getting through the four joists and I can almost never get signal up in the base, uh, up in the, uh, second floor, four of the house. Now I get, uh, you know, 75, 85% pretty much anywhere in the house, 90% if I'm on the same floor with it. So, um, it's well worth the upgrade for me. My, my speed is, is better. Hopefully, uh, those of you listening to the stream, it sounds better because, uh, that's one of, that's one of the primary reasons because the other one had just been crapping out so often. But, uh, so, a positive experience and a less positive experience. Updated Mint in place, not so positive. Updated my router, very positive. Except that it's, it's, I don't know why this is, but you can get a new router, give it the same SSID, the same password, 
and you still have to re-authenticate half your devices to it. Some do, some accept it, some don't. I haven't figured out why that is. I don't know either. I have the same problem every once in a while. I'll run into it where um, usually it's the, the newer devices seems to be the ones that don't like doing that. Yeah. My, my phone didn't have any trouble, but two or two of my three laptops didn't. The third one didn't huh. have any trouble. So I go figure. I don't know. It's interesting. But, I mean, that's the thing. You're supposed to be able to mix any device in your network, as long as they have the same SSID and encryption, you should be able to walk. You know, if you're an enterprise person, you're going building to building. The whole idea of of the SSID is that you don't have to have a different network everywhere you go. So I don't. I don't understand why it doesn't work and why it does work some places and sometimes. But uh, if anybody out there can tell me that, tell me why that is. Yeah, that would be interesting to know. Okay, well, that's far too much of my rambling. Seth, let <laughs> you ramble for a while. <laughs> well, I um, first of all, if I sound a little funny, it's because I mowed the yard yesterday. And we're only slightly drier than the dust bowl. And so there was this humongous cloud of dust following me around and like, it's like pig hard. Pen. Yeah. It's like a hard, I was like hard breathing the rest of the day. And then, you know, the longer the night went on, it was just like my voice sounds more and more hoarse. And so, you know, I, I'm not trying to get a second job on a one nine hundred number or anything. It's just, I think it's just all the gunk in my lungs from mowing the yard. And then I was like, I realized, man, I haven't been to the movies in like forever. So, um, you know, one, I've had this movie on my iPhone, on my iPhone that I get from work. Um, Hugo, I got it free last year when they were doing the 12 days of Christmas giveaway. And so I've had it on there since Christmas and I finally watched it. And I got to say, Hugo turned out to be a really good movie. It was nothing at all like the previews. You know, the previews, I thought it was like this mechanical fairyland kind of thing, and it wasn't. It was just, it was just a really good movie. So if you want to watch a good movie, you know, there, there's not like violence and shoot them up and, you know, sex and profanity everywhere. It's just a good movie. And then, uh, I saw the equalizer. So here's my non-spoiler version of the equalizer. Um, as we all know, Denzel Washington could make staring at a box, uh, interesting for an hour and a half. He, uh, he carried this movie. There's some violence in it, but it's violence to carry along the story. It's not like let's do violence a la the expendables. Um, <laughs> very good. Yeah, I mean, you know, the expendables is like action stars from the forties and fifties, uh, throwing, you know, blowing 40s. stuff up. <laughs> you mean in their forties and fifties? No, no. I mean, forties and fifties. <laughs> That's only a slight exaggeration, but, um, it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. And then I also saw the Maze Runner, which, um, I'm not familiar with the, uh, with the books, but I mean, you know, as most of the young adult things, it was kind of overly simple, but I don't know. I kind of want to read the books now and see all the stuff they cut out to make a two hour movie. Yeah. We saw Hugo. Um, it was a, uh, Netflix rental at one point and I, I, it was okay. But like you, I was expecting it to be like a, you know, robot boy kind of thing. And it was actually a much better story than that. Yeah, because that's like all the previews were like leading it up. And I was like, and so I got it just because it was free. And I thought, okay, I'll take a chance. And then, like I said, they really want us to upgrade to the iOS 8 so we can kind of get some experience on it before we have everybody do it. And I didn't have enough free space on my phone. So thing takes up four gigs so i watched it so i can delete it and now i'll uh i'll have enough free space i can upgrade it whenever i sync tomorrow at work hmm see i've been told not to upgrade 
to iOS 8 yet because we have applications at my job that will immediately break if we move to iOS 8. Well, I mean, you know, they're telling the uh, the regular users not to, but they want us in the tech department to do it so, um, you know, we can see what's going on with it. Yeah. I'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I, I know two of the guys who ignored the, uh, the warnings from our telecommunications team and upgraded anyway. And sure enough, all the apps that we use don't work, just like Telcom told us. So it's, it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And now they have to wait until everything's fixed before they can, uh, get their <laughs> stuff taken care of. I had a good chuckle over that. All right. And you have something here. Apparently you were. Uh, <laughs> racing a little bit? No, I wasn't racing. Um, this last Friday, I was on my way to and from work, and evidently my little red Kia, um, is also a giant red bullseye for semis to try and run off the road. <laughs> um, to, to the tune of, I think, uh, there were five on the way to work and another six on the way home. That evidently my car looked like it would be better in the ditch than on the road. So, uh, in, in doing, in dodging these semis who wanted to do me harm, I found out how fast that the My Little Kia can go. Um, I forgot that this is actually possible in foreign cars, but, uh, there's no governor in my Kia. The Speedo stops at 150. My car was, will go 150 plus. So that's kind of interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's amazing what you can do with a squirrel running around a little wheel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it definitely took my breath away. I wasn't quite ready for the uh, to look, look I looked down and I'm wondering, wow, I just passed that set, that double line 18 wheeler like it was nothing. Looked down and went, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing 150 in a 65." Yeah. I had a situation like that years ago where an aggressive driver was hassling me, so I stomped on it to get around him and get as much distance between me as possible. And just as I was slowing down from about 115, the uh, radar uh, beside me uh, tracked me and the lights went on. And I was like, crap, really? It's like the only time in this whole, you know, it was three-hour trip that I sped was right here. And it was for safety reasons. And I got a ticket, a big ticket for 100 plus miles an hour is a big ticket. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm, I'm really happy that the highway patrol was on the other side of the highway. Um, yeah. And somebody's trying to steal your identity? I think so. Um, I've been getting emails from this other, uh, you know how Gmail does the whole, if you put periods or any punctuation in your na- email, it still will go to the root email anyway. Right. So you could have like Chris and then a period and then some letter and it'll be, as long as it's still a part of your email address, it, it'll still come to you. Well, I've been getting emails for the last couple of weeks um, from different locations, for di- from different sites saying that I've registered. And it's like, um, I don't remember registering for Apple iTunes accounts or, and not just one, but like three or four. And I don't remember being in Daytona at the Mitsubishi Kia dealership trying to get a credit application done. So, that sounds like someone's uh, probing, or at least trying to. Yeah. But um, it's a pity they'll find out you don't have anything. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's sad. 
But, uh, yeah, I'm going to make a couple of phone calls to my local bank and the, uh, my other banks to let them know that I'm seeing suspicious emails. So, hopefully, uh, anyone else who sees weird emails like that, don't click on anything in those emails. Oh, yes. They, they may be spammed to start with. Um, but uh, Are you a member of Credit Karma, Chris? Yes. Yes, I am. I've been on, yeah, I've, I, I got last all sorts of last protections for if that happens. So I'm not terribly worried about it, but if I can head it off before it becomes an, a mess, I'm going to. Indeed. I, uh, I, it's harder to, to impersonate somebody and easier at the same time, you know, now, um, mm-hmm. the, it's easier to verify that you're the right person, but it's, it's easier to fake that verification. When, when I went to buy my first car in 97, uh, my first new car, I ran into that trouble with a, a dude with, with my same name, ran up all sorts of bad credit, um, and I had to prove that I wasn't him. Yep. So it's, it's, it's hard because it's on you to prove you're not the bad guy. It's not exactly. on the banks to prove that you are. Which is why I'm going to be a little proactive in the next couple of days and, uh, sure up my identities for sure. Are you wearing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt? Um, Maybe. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> just gonna let that go without comment and uh, move on. Oh, and that, but uh, it's the old turtles. It's the good turtles. I haven't seen the new movie. I, I hadn't really wanted to. It's probably gonna be a Netflixer at best. Yeah, might probably me too. Yeah. Yeah. It the the new movie had a couple of good point good moments, but overall it wasn't. Um, it's sad to say that it wasn't as good movie as the original Cheese Fest. But um, there were a couple of neat things, but otherwise it was like, eh. I mean, the first one was, for its day, it was a great uh, kid, yeah. you know, teen movie. The second one, once Go Ninja Go got in there, it was just, <laughs> it was just wrong. Uh, but the first one was solid. It, it held up and still holds up. You know, it's obviously dated. It's obviously period. But, you know, uh, Jim Henson's Creature Creator Shop worked on it and, and you know, good good puppetry, good um, you know, special effects again for the time. Uh, and the yep. new one, you know, with Michael Bay, I'm sure it's going to be top of the line visuals, but he's not known for great stories. Yeah. <laughs> the, there's one neat thing I liked about it is each one of the turtles looked a little different. So, um, you know, I don't think that's any major spoiler is that they don't all look the exact same with just different colored bandanas. Um, they each one looked a little different. And I thought that was kind of cool to kind of help differentiate their personality. Because like you say, there's really no good dialogue or story in there to set up the characters. But yeah, this is the they, first time in turtle history they've had noses. That was, yeah. that was a bit of a shocker. Yeah. Not to me, but to people who care about these things. Uh, just one bit of announcement, Linux, uh, Ohio Linux Fest, end of the month, uh, October 24th and 25th. Is that right, Seth? Uh, 24th through 26th. Okay. Um, I just had to read to you, uh, Chris, I know you'll get a big, uh, big kick out of this, but here's one of the beginner level courses, getting started with Vim. So yeah. uh, <laughs> that's a beginner level uh, course you can go to and learn all about at the Ohio Linux Fest. Um, and it is um, at the Greater Columbus Convention Center in downtown Columbus, Ohio, October 24th nice. and 26th. Why would you, why would you, Vim, really? Yeah. Okay. Vim's uh, awesome. Yeah. For the beginner, you want to start somebody out with Vim? 
Well, no, well, that was just one of, you, you know, they with? have beginner tracks, intermediate, advanced. One of the ones labeled beginner was getting started. Now, you might Vim. be beginner Vim, but right. you, you can't be a Linux beginner and start on Vim. Why not? Because it's it's the most non-intuitive system ever. Would you rather give them Emacs? I would rather give them G-Edit. <laughs> okay. But there's some things in Vim you can't... I mean, yeah, there's some things that Vim will do that can't. Here's the thing. Can't. All the way back to um, the earliest versions of Microsoft Works that were uh-huh. DOS-based, you had menus and you had, you know, it was they were ASCII menus, right? And you had, you had the alt key could do things and things lit up. You had all this menu-driven thing. You, you have that ability to do that in less than 640K. Why the heck? Can we not have a Linux version of that that is intuitive that you can look at it? Oh, there's a file button there. If I want to open a file, maybe I should do Alt F. Oh, good. File here, open, save, down arrow. That's why, why is that so hard? Why do you have to know control K Q or control Q X or why this? It's 2014 people step into the. Seventies. <laughs> okay, Mark. Okay, so getting started with Vim would not be you. How about <laughs> how about one hundred percent open source Cold Fusion? Another beginner level course. Wow, Cold. I mean, Fusion. these guys are serious. Serious. Uh, they're serious about their links in Ohio. So yeah, maybe yes, they yes, have they a whole are. different definition of beginner there in Ohio. Maybe I'm not considered even intermediate in Ohio. Well, well he, one of the advanced topics is kernel performance tuning. So I think that would qualify as advanced. Yeah, yeah I would agree with advanced there. I, th- I think that's the problem. Not not to disparage the Ohio Linux Fest, but the, in general, when the neckbeards decide the the uh, the structure of the event, they are so far advanced they've forgotten what beginner is. Yeah, yeah that could be. Professional Podcasting with Linux Part 2 is an intermediate-level course. So that would be one I wouldn't mind going to, yeah. and I might could contribute something. <laughs> just, just Vim. Just, just say no. Don't get me wrong. You have to know it. You have to know it. Because if you get dropped down everything. in a machine that with no GUI where, you know, where your, your graphical interface is blown, you you vim you got to know it you got to know your yep. way through it but every time i find myself in that situation i have to go to a second window my phone or whatever and go google vim commands because <laughs> i'm i'm yeah. not an idiot all right but i have no ability to remember vim commands they're just they just they they leak out of my brain like sand through an hourglass <laughs> i just can't remember them yeah that's how bad well vim can be that bad i mean it's not meant to be the monster everything everybody's tool but it's that it's the it's in everything so you might as well learn what's in everything before you start adding on top of it all right i i better stop a full-on rant is about to occur um no what so, so- a, a, a rant from you never it's been. Well, I, to I told Beth we would uh, we would mention yeah, the Linux Fest. I, I know I sound like I'm denigrating the Ohio Linux Fest. I'm not. I'm not at all. It's just that maybe the Linux community at large needs to get back in touch with what a beginner is, and that's what this show is supposed to be. We're supposed to be reminding you what a beginner is. 
because the Linux the the Linux community has forgotten the the neckbeards don't remember. It's like when I have young kids, right? And I will have some old grandparent saying, "Oh, these times when they were a baby, aren't they the best times ever?" Yeah, you think so. Now you have forgotten what three a.m. feedings are like. You don't remember that anymore. And so, sure, you That's remember right. snuggly babies that are cute. You don't remember cleaning puke out of your eyelashes. Yeah. <laughs> or or the the magic of the how babies have perfect aim when you lift them up. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. Say no to baby vomit in face or anything else. I used to wear white pants, and my nephew cured me of that because every time, without fail, yep. he would be fine. I would touch him, and he would puke on them. If I if I was wearing white, he would throw up on me. So, blah, blah, blah. There are so a number just, of reasons not to wear white pants, Seth. Uh, so, you know, it's probably better one. for all of us. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, whatever. Okay. So let's get on with our listener feedback. As promised, a listener feedback show. Um, I, I had said we had a whole lot of feedback about this, uh, the topic of piracy and, and file sharing and, and ethics. Uh, but when I got to actually going through them all, it was a whole lot of, uh, great show. That's interesting. Made me think about it. And those are all, that's great. That's all good feedback, but not really good for putting together a show. So I've pulled together four of uh you know the the non-trivial non-shallow comments and we'll hopefully each one of these will will trigger discussion uh, discussion in themselves so we begin with our friend joe uh, who says he just doesn't get it hey guys the discussion on file sharing and piracy was great went into more directions and shades of gray than i'd considered it's hard for me to justify the risk when netflix exists if only Open Elec or RaspBMC or other media distributions could incorporate the new Chrome special sauce so that Linux folks could have a fully complete media solution. That's one big complaint regardless of OS platform. None of the media center solutions can satisfy every home theater PC user's needs. Windows Media Center is great, center is great at some things, but not all. Same for XBMC. Uh, by the way, uh, Joe, that is right around the corner. And I'm excited about that. Puron, uh, yep. they 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 put DRM in HTML5, which people complained about. But now you're going to be able to have DRM content in HTML5. So yay, it's a good thing. Yeah, right, continue. It's a good thing and a bad thing. Continuing with his email, and Comcast seems to be you doing. You just everything. don't want anybody from the Electronic Frontier Foundation on our show ever, <laughs> do you? Um, no comment. And Comcast seems to be doing everything they can to wring as much money out of its customer base. I had a great home theater PC that was crippled about a year ago when Comcast encrypted even the basic cable. My clear QAM tuner is now worthless unless I want to install an antenna and only get three stations, two of which are PBS. That was infuriating, and I can think of no good reason except except to extort another $10 per TV per month per customer. Yes. I don't understand why. Yes, that's the answer, Joe. Yes. Between that and their rates constantly creeping up, and now they want Netflix to pay them the privilege of using the same bandwidth that the Comcast customers are already paying for? I wish there was a competitor. CenturyLink has DSL in my neighborhood, but it's only 1.5 megabits. And maybe 10 years ago that would have been fine, but it's not not workable for streaming video. Thank goodness Comcast has made enough money to buy up NBC and Time Warner Cable. That's got to be a win for the consumer. Awesome. 
pretty sure he meant that with sarcasm. I uh, hope so. Perhaps the collective disdain for Comcast is now uh, is how some might justify file sharing, but I'm too risk averse and always come back to the idea that I'm setting a terrible example for my kids. I'm not passing judgment and I'm not innocent of this sin as my kids are too young uh, and my kids are too young to understand, but they won't be for long. Great podcast, thanks Joe. So uh you guys have any comments to that right there? Uh, I sort of interspersed mine as we were going. Yeah, so did I. It sounds about right. I mean, that's everybody's issue right now is that nobody wants to do the co- the 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 stealing of of media anymore. They, you know, most people they're willing to pay for it. They're willing to put something forward as long as it's not a triple or quadruple payment. Yeah. See, I think so, there's there's really kind of two classes, maybe three, of people. The the bottom class, and yes, I'm calling you low class people, are the those who uh, will never pay for anything. Period. End of discussion. Doesn't yep. matter how little it is, how reasonable the price is, they're just going to get stuff for free. Period. If there's a free option and a paid option, they will take the free option. Doesn't matter if it's more difficult. It doesn't matter if it's lower quality. It doesn't matter if it's unethical. They will take the free version. Those, and I know, I know a lot of people that are like that. Yeah. Those people are just never going to pay for anything, no matter what. And then there's the 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 opposite end of that spectrum. The people who are, they only want to pay for content. Free content isn't valuable to them. Um, you know, sort of the hipster generation there. Um, yeah. I'm cooler because I pay for my content that you could, that I, I know I could get for free. Um, and then there's the wide middle class in there of people who are, there's a tipping point and it's a different tipping point for each of us where paying for it becomes more preferred than, than stealing it. Yeah. Um, and you know, for me, when I get, when I can get, when I can get it and pay for it at a reasonable price. For example, I've, I've mentioned many times before my beloved Dallas Cowboys who are playing in four minutes and I'm here doing this show instead. <laughs> That's how much I love you. Um, I can't watch them anymore um, in Georgia. Without paying for NFL with, well, Sunday ticket. Without paying for NFL Sunday ticket. And I would pay for NFL Sunday, tic- Sunday ticket if two things were, were true. One, <clears throat> you have to have direct TV. I don't have DirecTV. I don't want DirecTV. <clears throat> Two, it's $300 plus dollars yep. for the season. Both of those are ridiculous. Now, if they offered it to me for $150, I'd probably do it. That's 16 games. Probably four of those five in a given year are going to be broadcast nationwide anyway, Monday night games or Thanksgiving games. So let's call it, uh, call it 11 games, $150, 12 bucks a game. I'm down with that. I would pay for that. That would be fine. As long as I could do it on any platform I own, on my computer, on my phone, on my home theater PC, I'm not going to put up with DRM on it, um, or or I'm not going to put up with restrictive DRMs. It's fine to to link it to my account and say that you have to log in. So if, if I hit 150 and I can get it on all my devices, I will pay for it happily. But we're nowhere near that. We're we're at three hundred plus dollars, and to pay three hundred dollars, you have to prove that you can't get Directv. You have to prove that you're in a dorm or an apartment where Directv is not an option. If you have the option to stick a dish in your yard, you must stick a dish in your yard to get NFL, and and that's just dumb. And so yeah. at this point, my only choice is to steal it through some crappy um, feed from somebody else's uh, television. Because I can't get it normally. And so, right. you know, there's, and that's my tipping point. And some people, you know, if they had had to pay $10 a month for it, 
for $10 flat rate for it, that's still too much. They would never do it. Some people are happy to pay the 300 bucks. You know, it just depends. And I think that's, well, and- you know, that's my thing for football, but everybody has their thing, whether it's, you know, HBO or, um, you know, whatever, Walking Dead, whatever your thing is. See, the thing that, that I was I was just reading something today, and I thought I saw something about if you are on Verizon, you can have their NFL mobile thing. Yes, the NML, but, NFL mobile thing gives you things that are already on television. Primetime that games, only? that's it. Okay. Primetime games are on Nationwide anyway. It is not a big deal. See, and I didn't know how that worked because uh, I think it's stupid to, okay, you're going to give me NFL, and even if it is only the primetime games – for free on my mobile, great. But then you're also going to charge me for the mega, the gigabytes of yep. data I'm burning through every week. No, that's bullshit. <laughs> oh, excuse my language. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I've had one too many of these today. <laughs> I, I thought, though, that the NFL thing didn't count against your data cap. I thought that was another way they were killing net neutrality and everybody would cheer them for it. It may be on Verizon that's the case. I'm not sure. But if you read the, if you're just watching the commercials, the little the little white things at the bottom nobody looks at mm-hmm. says primetime games only. So that's Monday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and uh, Thursday night. The games that you could already watch anyway. Uh-huh. So yeah, maybe the bonus is that they're not counting against your your bandwidth, but otherwise, it's not really a big deal. Well, and then it's also yeah. an itty bitty ice train vision. Why would you want to watch right. a game on a? Five-inch screen. Well, for really? example, if you're... You can take it from your recliner to the bathroom, back to the recliner, back to the bathroom, back to the recliner, to the kitchen, to the bathroom, and not miss a play. That's if, why you If you it. happen to be, say, oh, just randomly at a Frozen-themed birthday party, for example, <laughs> um, that's a pretty effective uh, or a pretty appealing option to you. Well, but, okay, in my particular instance, the way I like, because my game... My team is never televised uh, unless they're playing some big, big name. Uh, I listen to the, the Raiders. Announcers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My Raiders. I love my Raiders. I've been a Raiders fan forever and ever, and I don't care how much flame you throw at me. It's not going to change anything. I oh, the Raiders used to be really games. good. Yeah, yeah, there was a yeah. time. Yes. 80s. In the 80s, yeah, they were great. 90s? No. 2000s? No. <laughs> but... I don't like to watch, you know, I can't watch their games. Even if when I had NFL Sunday ticket, I mean, I could watch a couple of their games, but it was never of any quality, if at least at least in my opinion it wasn't. But the the fact that you can go to their, their homepage, the Raiders homepage, and listen to the announcers, their home announcers do the announcing, you know, that's, I would rather listen to a good announcer any day of the week than watch them play. Yeah. Yeah, the, the homers can be pretty annoying. Okay, so let's move on. The next email we got from Joe about a week later says he gets it. So he started with, I don't get it. Now Joe says he gets it. After the recent discussion about piracy, I decided that between Netflix and checking out DVDs for free at the library and Comcast On Demand, I already uh, I already pay for basic cable is almost free with the discount of having high-speed internet, that I really didn't need to steal content from the internet. But maybe I decided in haste. My wife and I enjoy watching sports. Dun, da, 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 this whole discussion we've just been having. When I was a kid, baseball was on all summer on any old TV with a rabbit ear antenna. It seemed the same with most sports. Now only the NFL and some soccer and NBA playoffs, only the playoffs. I can get Canadian yep. a Canadian channel and the cheapest uh, cable package Comcast offers, so the occasional hockey game. 
Yesterday, I called NHL to uh, subscription services because I'm considering getting a Roku. And in order to subscribe to the sports packages I want so I can stream whatever a game I want. Doesn't work that way. Any local market hoppy, hopper, hockey games that are all nationally televised. Let me try that again. Any local market hockey game and all national te- televised games are blacked out of the NHL subscription service. So what's the point of paying $100 for a Roku, then another 150 for the NHL package? This is supremely frustrating. Even though I understand yeah. that Comcast lays out a huge pile of cash for the rights to broadcast these sporting events, it doesn't make me feel good about them a dime more, giving them a dime more than I absolutely have to. They seem to have plenty of cash to buy NBC and Time Warner Cable. I remember an idea in the press a few years ago about a la carte cable services where a customer could choose the channel they wanted. I'm sure that since this would be good for the consumer, it's bad for corporate profits. It has no chance of passing Congress. Yay, corporate personhood and lobbying. It, it makes those XBMC plugins that stream pirated feeds from other people's premium cable subscriptions packages look a little more attractive. It's still stealing and a terrible example for my children, but I understand why people do it. As much as I despise Comcast, I don't want to put myself in the position of Comcast being the white hat that turns me into the authorities for pirating content. That would make it even worse. I don't mind paying for content that I want to watch, but paying Comcast for a few sports and kids' channels means that I'd more than double my bill to get well over 100 channels that I didn't want and will never watch. I'd love to see that a la carte option. It's also a shame that most professional sports are now a premium subscription level. I remember it all being free. I'll spare you the extended rant on the vulgar salaries of professional athletes and horrible examples many of them set as role models for children. Bad behavior and bad decisions shouldn't be rewarded with lavish contracts. But like in politics, winning and money are more important than morals and character. Even though I may be down on some things, I still think capitalism is great and our country is a wonderful place to live. Perhaps the best idea is just to turn off the TV and read a book or play games with my kids. Or heaven forbid, go for a walk. Thanks for the show. I sincerely appreciate the time you guys take to produce the podcast every week. Regards, Joe. Okay, Joe. Joe. First of all, you have one assumption here that I just have to stick and not let you get away with. Greed is not the same thing as capitalism. So I'm very up on capitalism, but I'm very down on greed. And too many people in society take the greed that they see and equate that with capitalism. It is simply not the case. So greed is, greed is what is capitalism, capitalism becomes when it's unchecked. Yes. Right. Well, I think greed is the capitalism has lust is to love. You know, they're not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe and is here's another thing I just wanted to say. Um, this is going to go way overboard and extreme overreaction, but you know what? Like uh, George Washington and uh, John Adams and all them, what they did was illegal too. But Dad Gummit <laughs> was right. We shall all hang together, or we all, or we will all hang separately. Um, Something like that. That's, uh, if we don't hang together, I guarantee we will all hang separately. There it is. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a <clears throat> little allergy issue myself, Seth. So. What Joe's talking about and, and what I was talking about, the NFL, uh, NFL thing, it's the same thing, right? So when you buy that hockey package, you're only buying the rights to view the things you couldn't see anyway. So the things that are local that you could get by sticking an antenna in the air, they can't give you over the package. The things that are nationally televised that you could get by sticking an antenna in the air, they can't give you that in the package. The package is just for the stuff you couldn't get otherwise. In my case, every Dallas Cowboy game that isn't played uh, after 3 p.m. 
So that's the the that's the problem with with the the rights agreements, right? You when you you vote with your location, with your zip code essentially. When you choose to live in an area, you're saying these are the teams I will support. You don't know you're saying that when you move there, but that's what the that's what the companies say. When you live here, you're saying I'm going to be a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. And that's because I live here. And I'm not going to be a Texas Rangers fan. I, I'm not allowed to be a Texas Rangers fan because I live in Pittsburgh. That's dumb, but it's the yeah. way it is. And their, th- their thinking is, and it's the same logic that goes along with the a la carte cable thing. If you have the option to watch any game on television, why would you ever go to the ballpark? And they're all about sending you to the ballpark. It's yeah. all, it's all, it doesn't happen often except with really, really bad teams like the Raiders where if a, oh. if a game doesn't sell out, it's not on the air. You can only sell you can only put games on the air if they sell out of tickets in the theater, I mean in the stadium. And I know this because many times Jerry Jones would have to buy up tens of thousands of tickets himself uh, of, so in the nineties so that the Cowboys could be on the on television. So he doesn't get those commercial rights. He doesn't get all those things. So he had to buy tickets. He had to go go to you know the ticket booth and and say I want fifty thousand tickets. Uh, not that many, uh, but and that's why sometimes you know the really bad teams you can't even see them in your local area. So the, it's, this all goes down to rules that were written in the forties and fifties and just haven't updated. And the a la carte cable thing: if you could buy any channel you want, who would ever watch C-SPAN? So they have to do the tiered packages just so they can put C-SPAN in three hundred million homes because their pro- yep. their contract with whoever owns c-span says we'll put you in 300 million homes and you can't do it unless you force people to because nobody's going to pay you know a thousand people are going to pay for c-span yeah if if they're lucky you know every high school civics teacher would would get it but that's about it so it's it's kind of a mess of our own making well and it's just like you know the cable companies are essentially um state uh, mandated monopolies because basically what the state did was they carved up their state into territories and said, who wants to bid on this territory? Who wants to bid on that territory? Who wants to bid on that territory? And you can only have one person in there. So that's why cable sucks in America is because the government said, let's make cable suck in America and let's just have the uh, electric bend over one more time. And uh, it works well for them because we don't care as long as, you know, we get to watch the walking dead. And so it's amazing that NFL every, you know, I can't watch it the rest of the year, but when football rolls around, all of a sudden the NFL is a season long preview for free on dish network because they know People want to watch it, and and it's kind of backfired for the NFL because I used to love watching football. It didn't matter. I would watch, you know, like the Raiders play the Chargers um, because it was the football game that was on, and I liked it, and I would watch it. And now, eh, if I don't get home to the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, eh, I turn it on, but it's more in the background while I'm doing other stuff, and I don't care near as much about football. Um, and I don't care about baseball much because I don't ever get to watch it. Same thing about basketball. I don't get to watch it anymore. So I don't care about it. So they are losing long term. They're defeating their fan base by making everybody pay for it. Um, yeah. It's good short term, but it's going to backfire on them. Yeah. I hope. Eventually. 
It has to eventually. Yeah, listen to a bunch yeah. of computer geeks talking sports. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy. So our next listener, Gordon, gives us a military perspe- perspective on this. He said, listen to your ethics discussion about file sharing. Great show. It's a topic I take to heart and have way too many little comments and additions to actually email them all to you. So I'll just add three points. Number one, we all need to remember that the open source community depends on copyright law in order to function. These are the law that makes GPL and other licenses enforceable. If we don't think IP rights should be respected, then why should we expect companies to respect the IP rights of open source coders? Not just and not just ignore the GPL and close their source modifications when their company builds an open source code. Number two, in all this discussion about what is ethical, I think the cadet honor code from West Point. <clears throat> I can quote a cadet will not lie, cheat, steal, or tolerate those who do. End quote. On the face, it's as simple enough, but in application, it can be tricky, kind of like the Bill of Rights. <clears throat> Try explaining to a 17-year-old how copying MP3s is stealing when the person he copied them from still has their copy. Or why telling Mrs. Jones her dried-up, tasteless lasagna was a wonderful meal, thank you very much. But the honor system <clears throat> said at West Point, um, but the honor system at West Point has what are called three rules of thumb. And they can uh, can be a great help. Rules of thumb. Number one, does the action attempt to deceive anyone or allow anyone to be deceived? Number two, does the action gain or allow the gain of privileges or advantages to which I or someone else would not otherwise be entitled? <clears throat> Number three, would I be dissatisfied by the outcome if I were on the receiving end of this transaction? The trick is to consider all the parties involved, i.e. not just the person you torrent from, but the actual content creator who holds the copyright. And the last point, the big problem here is that the Internet is global, global, but the laws are national. Even with treaties, there's no universal worldwide law. Not every country has the same copyright laws, and some don't have them at all. If someone purchases a DVD of a knockoff handbag in one of these countries, it may well be a legally produced item, and they are lawfully purchased. Our own custom laws allows you to bring these personal items into the USA, even if they would not be legal to produce or buy here. <clears throat> I can just you can just not bring in multiples to distribute them and sell here. Probably every soldier who was ever deployed in Iraq is aware of this. Bootleg DVDs were everywhere in Iraq. They were the only ways, uh, the only ones on the market. You could bring back one copy of the title as a personal property, and yes, custom inspectors flip through the uh, through to check ethical. Maybe, but not legal. Those are great points, Gordon. Yeah, very well. Very well written. I would would like to point out, though, that if we followed the uh, West Point Cadet Honor Code, we would not have cable because the cable company does not follow those, and so we would not be able to associate with them. So you can't watch cable (laughs) and, and maintain the Cadet Honor Code from West Point. Well, everything that the cable companies do is legal if you but, define legal in the right way. But here's but does the action uh, gain or allow gain of privilege or advantage to which I or someone else would not get otherwise entitled? Uh, would I be dissatisfied from the outcome if I were on the receiving end of this action? Um, the cable company would be dissatisfied if they um, if they were on the receiving end of the stuff they're dishing out. So they break the honor code, and so that is why a large segment of people feel okay in breaking it because it was broken in relation to them. Don't know if that's right or wrong, but 
I would submit that following the code, you shouldn't have cable. It's just another shade of gray. <laughs> and, and, you know, we talked a lot about the difference between legal and ethical. And, right. uh, you know, the fact that the different countries have different laws certainly comes into play. And uh, Nigel, our next listener, offers us some point of view from a different country. It says, hi, guys, your discussion on the rights and wrongs of file sharing and copying was fascinating. It's a question that's concerned me for a long time, ever since I first ripped an audio CD. What is legal and illegal is determined by the jurisdiction you live under. But what is right and wrong is a different matter. Perhaps the ethics should be more be vo- viewed more in terms of fairness and practicality. The various scenarios you explored showed that technology has rendered the law on digital copyright impotent and largely irrelevant. In the UK, we have a similar solution to the US, whereby it's legal to make a backup copy of a DVD, but illegal to break the encryption. This clearly demonstrates that the legislators don't understand the technology, which means that the law will always be playing catch-up. If a law cannot be enforced, then it serves no practical purpose. I'm not really sure why copyright holders should expect to get special legal protection. Presumably, any manufacturer would love to find ways of ensuring that their product could only be used by the immediate purchaser and not shared or lent to somebody else. The fact is, that's generally not possible, so the onus is on the manufacturer to devise ways or to promote sales. I fully appreciate that it's tough on musicians and movie studios if their output gets distributed unofficially without generating any revenue for them. But industries are constantly evolving and their viability fluctuates. Years ago, rock bands toured primarily to promote sales of their latest albums. Now the tours themselves are often the main source of income. The motion picture industry will have to evolve in a similar way and create incentives for people to see a movie in the cinema rather than wait for the DVD release. They're trying that, Nigel, with 3D and it's just not working yet. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Very few poets and novelists ever make any money, but the publishers reject them by the thousands. The poor financial prospects don't deter people from being creative. Music is the same. We tend to forget that the heyday of the big movie studios was before the time of the VHS and the DVD, when there was no aftermarket for their output. They coped before, and they will cope in the future once they finally accept reality. I wouldn't mind betting that a lot of people who are who pirate a movie do so precisely because they enjoyed it so much in the cinema the studios already made money from them i'm not suggesting that an unregulated free-for-all is the way things should be but it's largely the way things are if illegal downloaders are fined or sued for huge sums uh, that will serve mainly as an incentive for the rest to go further underground and develop better ways of concealment. The genie is out of the bottle, so it's better to find ways of living with it rather than waste time trying to fight a battle which can't be won. Regards, Nige. Again, also great points. We, yep. <clears throat> we're fighting a catch-up battle that's already been lost. And numerous times lost. Because yeah. how many different ways have we found... You know, just in the last 10 years, I found ways of going around copyright. Remember uh, 20 years ago um, when Garth Brooks refused to sell uh, his CDs to people who sell, who deal in secondhand CDs? That was a thing, you kids out there. (laughs) Buying a CD and then returning it. I'm I'm trying to remember the name of the store. What was the big store? That, uh, Suncoast for a while. Suncoast was one. That's that not the it. one I'm thinking of. But there's a really big store. It was national chain, half price CD, something like that. Secondhand. Anyway, their prime. They sold new CDs, but their primary market was in reselling used CDs. So I buy a CD of the White Album and listen to it, and I'm done with it, and I take it back to the store, 
and they I paid fifteen bucks for it. They pay me six bucks, and they resell it to the next guy for eight bucks. So the guy who's never bought it before gets a six dollar discount on the yeah. CD. Because the store, the store makes a two dollar profit. The Beatles make nothing because they only get paid for the original sale of the White Album. And that's why Garth Brooks was upset about it, and he promised never to not distribute to these stores that sold CDs secondhand. It didn't matter. People bought them from Hastings instead, and then they still ended up in the secondhand store. And the reason this was a big deal, because this was right around the time ripping CDs became technically possible. Yep. Prior to that, it, you know, you might have copied it off to a tape, but you never, you didn't get the same quality. Now, you can rip something in full digital quality, and then take it back and get your money back. And that's what artists didn't like. And they still don't like it. But it's the reality. Was it Borders? No, that's not who I'm thinking of either. Uh, doesn't matter. But um, the, the fact is that technology is still around. That practice has died. And it wasn't anything the artist did. It wasn't any lawsuit that died it. The market that died it, that killed it. The market just went away. People stopped dealing in CDs, Period. So they didn't want used CDs. They didn't want new CDs. They went to digital downloads. Yep. And so that there, you can still go to a store and buy a CD, but very rarely can you find a secondhand CD anymore. It's just that market's just gone away. Part of the reason is they dropped their prices. You're no longer, no longer paying $26 for a CD. I'm not kidding. $26 was a fairly standard price back in the day for a CD. Anybody Crazy. today wouldn't believe that. Because the, the, the most you're going to pay is like $15 now. Remember when VHS tapes were like 70 or $80? Yeah. Yep. And this was back whenever that was like not much more than a week's salary for some people. At, but yeah, when VHS tapes first came out, they were like 70 to $80. And what killed the, the thing the rental industry hate is whenever they dropped the price down to like $20 and eventually down to 10 But yeah, movies were they were in the terms price to rent. You wouldn't buy it from anywhere. You would go rent it from you know Blockbuster or one of the other big stores. But the market caught up and then they had to sell them cheaper because otherwise, you know, everybody would just touring them or you know copy them yeah well yeah i remember back then and that that technology has changed that but mostly the market has just grown up and now there are movies that are available online the day and date of their theater release too and Mm -hmm. it's it's still people (coughs) excuse me people are still pretty much experimenting with it but it's happening and they're making money both places. There's the the idea has been once it's available on DVD, nobody will go to the theater anymore. That's just not true. Yeah, I it's not. You know, I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy in the theater, not because I wanted to see it before it came out on DVD, but because I wanted to see it in the theater. Right. And and I wanted to see the big screen. Right. I went to see Avatar in the theater because I wanted to see it in the theater. Now, for example, we were talking about. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I had no interest in seeing that on the big screen. I do have an interest in seeing it. So I will wait until it's on Netflix or it's at Walmart for 12 bucks, and I'll pick it up. Yep. That would not have changed had they released the DVD the same day they released it in the theaters. My opinion would still be the same. And it may be if, they, if the day and date release were, were common, people would get the DVD 
watch it and say, this is freaking amazing. I want to go see this in the theater tomorrow. Um, for example, The Matrix. I waited until that came out on VHS. Yes, that's how long ago it was before I watched it <laughs> and regretted that. I thought, man, this would have been a great movie. I wish I'd seen it on the big screen. But I didn't know. So they lost revenue off of me because I couldn't know at the time that I wanted to see it on the big screen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what else can we say about it? What else can we say about it? I mean, that's that's the way it is. Um, I really wish there'd be a way to get movies immediately after. Maybe even if. Nah, here's an idea. Every theater that plays it gives you a code that you can go and then go home and download it because you've you've paid for it, but you get it at a dis, at a discounted rate than it would be when it releases on DVD. Which is not a not a bad idea because you you got you get some value for it. But I think that they're missing out on the market of people who who could see it on the small screen and then go rewatch it on the big screen. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, mean, I would, I'd be in the same boat. I mean, that's why you know Star Wars was re-released, right? And a whole generation who had only seen it on VHS got to go see it in the theaters, and it was huge. Lucas made hundreds of millions more on the same movie he'd already made hundreds of millions of dollars on. Yep. Um, and if they did that with, you know, Tron, I'd go back to oh, see man. Tron on the big screen. Oh, yeah. In uh, a heartbeat. You know, E.T., um, again, The Matrix, I'd go back and see that again. Uh, and there's, the, but the thing is, there's, you know, limited theater space. When you've got a big blockbuster release coming out every month, how do you have time to fit in an old release, too? So there's all kinds of market factors at play, but it all comes down to the the, the ethics issue on one side and the, the just people figuring out how to make money off of this on the other side because none of this happens without making money right i mean um nigel says that poets and artists um don't make money but they keep producing art that's true but transformers doesn't get made unless there's money on the line nobody makes a a blockbuster cgi special effects 3d movie just for the art of it yeah well, and that art isn't all that great yet either, so... Right. <laughs> not so, yet. If you enjoyed The Avengers, awesome. That would not have happened if there wasn't a multi-million dollar payday on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So you need the money or the stuff goes away. Well, that just goes back to our original thing about if you like the software, you should pay for it or donate to the project. Again, that would never fly in the movie industry... But it works in software, somewhat. Not really, but so, somewhat. So that would be interesting. So you release a movie on a uh, pay-what-you-want basis? Yeah. You know how that would be interesting then? The movie itself, right, would, would people are going to pay 8 or 10 bucks, you know, probably across the board. But what makes that interesting is now theaters have to compete. Because yeah. was your was your theater experience... That IMAX 3D, was it worth $13? No, I've never nope. been to one once. But they charge that. I mean, there's a place down the road where you, you're going to pay seventeen fifty for a 3D IMAX. Uh-huh. Um, and it, the experience is never worth it. If they gave me a seventeen fifty experience, I'd go every movie there. But they don't give me that experience, but they, they, can, they can afford to charge me because I don't have another choice. Yep. See, I think it would be a great idea because that would be – it would bring – the market to everyone's level because i mean even even your small mom and pops theater shop 
could have some special thing that they do for their patrons that none of the other theaters could do. You know, yeah. whatever the case may be. Maybe it's the best popcorn in 10 miles or 100 miles or whatever. But you would have some competition that wasn't just, do you have the movie on release day? Yeah. It's interesting to, to think about. But now. And that also would, it would also hold true with TV shows because you could also do the whole, you know, movies and TVs could be in the same boat because you could say the suggested donation for this movie is $12. You know, you can put that suggestion level up there and some people will pay it just like they do the suggested donation or the suggested tip. You know, I know a lot of places that have added a suggested tip line yep. to the restaurant tickets. If if I go to a, just just bringing that up, if I go to a restaurant and they add 15% of my bill automatically, they've lost money. I don't tip 15%. But right. I I, I always tip more than that. I tip twenty to twenty five, sometimes fifty percent if it's if the service is good. Because I believe tip I believe in tipping. I believe that these right. people who are working for the money need to get more than the two bucks an hour they get. But if you add fifteen percent to my bill without asking me, you don't get a penny more. No, no, no. That's not that's not what I'm saying, Mark. Right. I'm no, I'm just it's, it's, it was just an aside there. Oh, okay. That, okay. that the On suggested right, the suggested tip for me loses you money. And it may be also true that the flat rate fee at the movie theater loses you money. I don't know. I haven't had that opportunity yet, but it may be that I end up paying more if they provide such an amazing service to me. See, for me, um, now, I've been to, when I go to the, the suggested tip line and I see that they say suggested tip for parties of eight people is 20%. This is your calculation because it saves me the time to calculate the 20%. I'm happy. But if it, it, and I'm right, it, that's not added to the bill. It's just a suggested line. Right. That, I'm okay with that. But the places that automatically add it, I get pissed. Yeah. And then that's when I do just the bare minimum that I can possibly get away with. Yeah. Or a penny lower. <laughs> yeah, that's <clears throat> that's that's what I'm saying. You lose money for me when you force me to to pay a price. And I hadn't thought about it in terms of music and CDs and 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 movies and books. But maybe I would pay more for a high quality thing than than what it was worth. I don't know. It be it would be a brave experiment for somebody to try. See, well, I can honestly say I've done the experiment technically um, for the the book Little Brother from Cory Doctorow. Okay, he gives that book away for free on his website. You can go download a PDF right now. It's one hundred percent free. I downloaded the PDF. I read the book. The, the PDF, and then I went back to the store two days later and bought the book for 20 bucks because I liked the book that much. And then I bought it again, well, what, two weeks ago for my kid because he wanted to read it on his tablet, and I didn't have the PDF anymore. And I was like, well, I'll just air Amazon, I'll buy the book again. Well, didn't Louis C.K. do that? A pay what you want version of one of his comedy concerts? I, I think so. Somebody's done that. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, I, I think we're kind of devolving in this discussion, so I, I, I want to end this here and go back to you know look at the tech news. Do we have any other closing comments before we leave this section, though? No, I'm all right. All right. And so now let's move on to the news of the week, and the first one I want to do is uh, a bona fide, genuine Linux bug 
that is a big deal. And I, I noticed Seth didn't have it in the notes at all. And then when I put it in the notes, he put something else above it, which I think is interesting because he doesn't think this is important as I think it is. So let's see how this discussion goes. The shell-shocked bug. So let me give you a basic uh, rundown of what this thing is. Bash, the shell script that's in Oh Everything, yep, um, pretty much has has had a long-standing, and I mean t- two decades plus long-standing bug in it that allows um, people who do things in a particular way to run script as Bash. Right, so Bash can do anything. So you type a command in Bash, and it asks whether it should ask for a password right it'll check to see if this person is on the pseudoers list or not but bash itself is godlike and has all power and could do anything mm-hmm. some people figured out how to tap into bash over the internet and get that godlike power so it's not about gaining root credentials it's about being more powerful than root it's about being the system it's about being right. able to do anything, to execute any code, to alter any file, to do anything. Um, because you're now the machine. That's right. A, that's the system level. Is You are the machine level then. This was discovered last week. There have been three updates to it because they keep, they keep fixing things and then finding out that fix didn't work or finding another bug. And it's a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Okay. So let's say that on my personal laptop, I've run the three updates. I'm, as as best we know right now, current. But my firmware-based router out there hasn't been updated and may never be updated. And so we've got all these embedded devices that have Bash in them that don't even have an update path. They can't be updated. They're burned on ROM. Yep. And now somebody who knows what they're doing can do anything that they want undetected because they are the system. You, you Anytime you do something on a computer, you ask the system to check for you. That, you know, that's what a rootkit does, right? It gets in under the system and pretends to be the system, and that's why they're so hard to find. This isn't a rootkit. This is the taking over the guts of the machine, and it scares yep. the peewally out of me, and I need somebody to talk me down off this <laughs> ledge. Well, it's a spooky ledge because it, you know, being the machine, you know, that's, that's horrible. Um, there was a good write up on LastPass about it and about how they, they think they've taken care of it. But man, this is spooky stuff. Um, so LastPass wow. says on, in their blog post that they don't have any internet facing machines with bash on them. Um, which is possible. You can take bash off. Yep. You or, can. Or you can, um, you know, you can segment your machine such that no direct internet connection ever gets back. You do a couple levers, levels of, of, uh, abstraction. And it's, they say that they've done that, that, that they were never vulnerable to this. Uh, but they have been watching and, and, and looking at lots of attempts to do this. So the hackers know about this and are trying to exploit it and they're going straight to LastPass to do it, among others. Um, yeah. So this is a this is a big deal and and yes we can patch it. Yes we can fix it, but these legacy bases of hard devices out there are now potentially malicious devices sitting on your bookshelf. Yeah. You and you can't stop it. You can't control it. You can't even know about it unless somebody tells you, "Hey, this weird thing is coming from your IP address." 
Yeah. And your only choice does. is to chuck the device and start over again. Mm-hmm. Well, and nobody's going to tell it. I mean, like, um, I don't think I've ever in my life have ever heard, gotten a, a call from an ISP or from someone else, you know, with authority saying that, hey, your system's infected with something that wasn't a malicious attempt to try to hack my box. You know what I mean? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of those cold calls that everybody got there for a couple of months back a couple of years ago, but I'd never once got it from my ISP saying that, Hey, we've got a phone call from so and so. They're saying that an IP address is, is blowing us up and it's your IP. You need to go fix something. Never. I've never heard of that. Have any I've, of you guys? Once. Yeah. It's happened to me before. Yes, it has happened to me. No, ah, well, see you. I guess I'm the I'm the minority because I've never had that. I got a I got a call from a a different company saying your email machine is slamming my email machine. Stop it! And it, huh. and it wasn't my email machine, but it was a rogue machine on the network pretending running as an SMTP server. Wow! Um, and I foolishly didn't have SMTP blocked. I had it open to all machines instead of just my mail server. So some little bit of malware had gotten in there and was just slamming their machine with thousands of messages a minute. Um, Crazy. And they tracked it down to me and said, uh, you got 24 hours to fix this or we're cutting you off. Um, so it does yeah. happen. I guess I've never got it because the very first thing I ever did, on, like when I started working at the school, the very first thing I did is I went in and I started locking ports down. Yeah. Um, I guess. You're just I better than I am. That's all there is to it. Well, it's not just that, but I'm I'm also younger. So when I stepped into the role, you know, I was a little fresher on the, off the off the wagon than you were, and that was the very first things that my instructors always told us: is when you start into a new place, walk through it, get a security thing, know what ports are open, and block the ones you need to block. And that was the first thing I did because that was what my professor told me to do. Seth, what are your thoughts on this? I don't know. I I mean, I've heard about it, but I really haven't followed the story. I so I mean, I it looks really scary, and I don't know how to. I don't have any answers for it. So, I was hoping by next week there would be some answers. But you know, it was like I figured everybody would have already heard about it anyway. So no, it's this is this one's really scary. This is like the thing. You know, this is almost uh, like I say. I don't know, you know, short of just ripping Bash out of anything facing the Internet or that has the ability to get to the Internet, I would not know what else to do. Yeah. Now, for example, excuse me, your laptop or desktop is probably in pretty good shape right now because you're going to go through some sort of NAT router and you don't have direct incoming connections. And, you know, and... I know I'm not familiar with the the full exploit vectors on this, but my understanding right now is that they're inbound. They haven't figured out how to trick you to into turning an outbound connection into a hack yet. But that's just a matter of time. It it will oh, yeah. happen. And somebody will inject some code into, you know, Google's ad services, like we talked about last week, and start infecting billions of devices a day before it gets caught. Um and so it's it's frightening, but there's also, there's kind of nothing we can do about it, and we're doing all we can do about it. Like I said, my particular installation of Linux Mint has updated Bash three times this week. 
and it's going to continue to update it, and we're going to stay on top of that. And But it's the things that can't be updated that has me worried. The yeah. one blessing is that those devices generally tend to be very low power, and so they're limited into what they can actually do. Um, but still, you can do a lot of damage with a few C- CPU cycles. Yeah, yeah, you can. Low-powered things such as Mac OS X. <laughs> no, I'm just no. That's you know, this is a bug that can hit them, and you know, those are some high-powered machines. So you get a couple of you get a botnet affecting a couple of those, and you can be spewing out all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, it, you know, the other thing that that makes me wonder now is with the Internet of Things on us, how much of those things have Bash available? You know, the, every Nest thermostat or the smarter things or uh some of those other itty bitty micro micro yeah. web bulbs. services basically yeah um wow that's woo that's scary stuff they can't hack my light bulbs that's all i got to say about it <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and this is it's I'm only going to get incandescence worse, right it's only really you can get in, we haven't been able to buy incandescence around here in years Oh yeah, yeah. I can buy them after. I can go down to the local grocery store and buy about. You know, how many do you want? I can send them to you. That would be awesome. I want to kill more trees because somehow <laughs> using that bulb kills the trees or pollutes the plant. I'm not really sure on the physics of it, but somehow using those bulbs kills people. Um, yeah, that's what I've been told. <laughs> kill a terrorist using this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, that was uh. So we've, we've, Peter pants a little bit about this one and, but we got, we got nothing to say helpful about it. Um, and this is only careful. It's only going to be a problem because we've talked about this before, right? So Heartbleed, uh, the, the low hanging fruit is all gone. We're all using very secure operating systems these days. So now people are looking at the infrastructure, the stuff that was written 60 years ago. Well, maybe not 60, 30 years ago. And is still in use. What, what's, what, what was there before we knew we had to be worried about anything? And so they found it with Heartbleed. They found it with Bash. And, you know, maybe we're going to go all the way back to the kernel at some point and find well, something. Well, probably. Or, or, I would almost know, bet that. And, and it's, we can fix it. That's true. But there's still a lot of stuff out there that's never going to be fixed. You know, somebody's still got an old Windows 95 machine in a closet somewhere that's just cranking out code red and NIMDA as fast <laughs> as this little CPU can do it. And that thing will, you know, it'll be another 10 years before all of those go off the Internet. Um, and so what what are we going to do? How long is it going to take for Bash, the, the unsecure version of Bash, to finally die away? Somebody's going to have a little Linksys router in a closet somewhere trashing oh, yeah. the internet for the next two decades or longer because i know i've seen you know 10 year old equipment laying around in people's houses when i when i used to do repair and it's like wow that's a apple os7 why is that still running <laughs> i was i was in a, a business i won't say <laughs> i will protect the innocent by changing the names but they had some mission critical business software running on an old generation one iMac, you know, the little teardrop shaped device with the plastic shell. Yep. They were running wow. business critical software on that device. Wow. It's yeah. Scary. Well, I mean, that's the thing because it's connected to some piece of machine 
that, you know, yeah, you can't get versions that run on the latest stuff. You know, hey, you want to run this $400,000 machine? We only wrote software that works with uh, yeah. Windows 95. Via a serial connection. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah, I Good still have mach- I still have software and hardware at my new job um, that is still serial driven. Yeah. Okay, moving on to the next story. Um, the web is catching up to us. Yeah, this is you know in a, in light of our conversation on torrenting and everything, um, BitTorrent um, bundles has surpassed a hundred million legal downloads and streams. And this is groups such as Madonna, uh, Public Enemy and things like that. They're basically bundling up software and kind of putting it on BitTorrent behind a paywall. And so it's shared via um, torrenting. And then there's an artist, I can't remember his name, uh, the front man for Radiohead. He released a solo artist and he was like only releasing it via BitTorrent. So, you know, it's like, you know, we talked about the changing nature of the economy, and this is one way where, uh, you know, the artists are embracing it. And in some cases, they're kind of bypassing the studios who they say aren't really into music anymore. Um, you know, they're just in the control and, uh, they're, they're looking for a way to just make music and just get their music out there. So I just thought it was an interesting story that seemed very much in what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. That is interesting. You know, I, I actually have downloaded some of that music now that you bring that up. Um, Nine Inch Nails did a couple of releases like that where you could only download them from their torrent um, program, their torrent tracker. Cool. So, yeah, like we said, it's a good technology. It, it Up till now, most of its use has been illegal, but that doesn't mean the technology isn't useful. Right. Well, and, you know, yeah, part of the reason it's illegal is because, well, anyway, we've had that conversation right. ad nauseum. So. so one of the benefits of uh, of going last is that you get to see what other people have done before you. And India has done that after the Russians and the uh, U.S. and maybe the Chinese, I don't remember, uh, sent probes to Mars. India did it first try out of the box. Running our good friend Linux. Aww. Right. Um, one of the cool things, just their, their little summary paragraph here, um, on the muck is, uh, India has made history today by being the first and only country in the world to send a spacecraft to Mars in the first attempt. The country also made history as it achieved it in a budget lesser than the unscientific Hollywood blockbuster Gravity. India spent only $71 million on the mission. So, you know, when you're not paying, for proprietary software, it really lowers the costs on how much it costs to send a probe to Mars. That's so, awesome. Uh, so India had a choice. Go to Mars or make a movie that didn't do great in the box office. And they chose to go to Mars instead. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was Red Hat's Enterprise Linux was uh, their mission software. So pretty cool stuff. Um, you know, yay, Linux. And, and if you're interested in learning about how to send a probe to Mars, our friends over at the Linux Academy.com can help you. 
Well, not really, but they can help you learn that uh, learn to run that Red Hat Linux box that India is using to send their probe to Mars. Uh, they go. do this by the way of uh, step-by-step video courses designed to take you from being a beginner to a Linux administrative uh, certified. They, they they can take you to being certifiable um, <clears throat> through their their uh, video tutorials and. I talked about it last week, Chris. You didn't hear it, uh, but the, there's some really big news. You know, we've talked about it before. They have the these labs can run up to eight different labs in the in the virtual labs in the Amazon cloud system. Well, they've just upgraded that system tremendously. You still have the eight different distributions, but now you can run up to four of them at once at the oh, same wow. time, and and two of them, uh, and each one can have two public host names. And so you can assign one as a DB server and one as a DNS server and one as a web server and name them intelligently within your control panel and have them live on the Internet talking to each other. Pretty amazing and, and uh, at no additional cost. They just, wow. they just said, here's a gift. Here's, here's awesomeness, no charge. <laughs> I mean, so, that's, that sounds like there are good friends over there. At, yes. at, over there. That's awesome. So you get the videos, and now you get this really amazing lab infrastructure system that you can run, but not, they, they don't stop there. It's like Ginsu knives, but wait, there's more along with the videos and the lab. So you got the, you can watch how it's done. You can do it yourself, but you can also read how it's done using their PDF study guides that are time coded to the videos so that you can, you can read and you can watch and you can tie those two things together. And that's all brought to you in a, in a new interface. And the, one of their greatest new features is their new lesson plan, their personalized lesson plan. So you tell them, you know what, I want to spend a half an hour a day over the next six weeks, and I'm available Tuesday, Thursday, and and Saturday only. And and they'll take that information and spit out a lesson, personalized lesson plan for you. Say, okay, on Tuesday, you need to cover these four lessons. And on, on Thursday, you need to cover these four lessons. And on Saturday, when you've got a little more time, you've got these six lessons. And they will break it down for you and say, all right, we expect you to spend about three hours watching videos on this day, but there's probably going to be another four hours of off-time off homework. Does that sound familiar? It's a freaking syllabus. It's a college course designed for you automatically by their system. They don't tell you when you're available. You tell them when you're available, and they custom design a lesson plan straight for you. Amazing. Again, no additional charge. Boom. Here's some more awesomeness just for you. And and what do you get for all this awesomeness? How much do you have to pay for this? $1 million. No. $25 a month is the most you can pay. You can't pay more then $25 a month for their basic service. Now, they do have other paid content once you get in there that you can do different modules, different labs, different uh, classes that you can do, but their basic service, and it's freaking amazing. It's not very basic, $25 a month. But if you don't want to pay $25 a month, if you want to take the plunge and buy a quarter, a a three-month block, then it's only $60 a month, $60, which is $20 a month. Or if you want to go up to annually and, and just drop the, the the big water money on them, $199 for the year. That breaks down to just under $17 a month. Are you kidding me? All of this for $17 a month? If you're not signing up now, you should be. There's no excuse for it. If you want to learn to, to, to uh, run Linux and you want to do it 
Uh, you want to learn it from certified professionals whose content has been independently verified as high quality. If you want to be associated with somebody who's already uh, associated with the with CompTIA uh, and the and the uh, not CompTIA the the Linux Plus people, help me. I just blanked on it. Anyway. Oh. LPIC. Yeah, uh, no, that's the Linux. That's the Linux professional. There's the other one. <laughs> anyway, if you CompTIA, want to, that's Linux Plus. Yeah, that is CompTIA. Okay, so yeah. they're already sort of aligned with these industry standard people, and they're these industry standard people have looked at their content, and said, "Yep, that's solid stuff. You do that, you'll pass our test. You'll be certified." It's been done. It's being done right now. Somebody right now is studying to to get their certification over at the Linux Academy, <clears throat> and you can too. And when you go. Use the code Everyday Linux to let them know that we sent you there. There you go. I'm really excited about what they're doing there, and there's there's even more stuff coming in the next couple of months. Um, and I can't I can't tell you more than that. But these were two big awesome bombs that they dropped on you, and they're not done yet. There's more awesome. awesomeness to come. I can't wait to hear. I really can't. Bring it, bring it, <laughs> Linux Academy. <laughs> and according to Seth, sometimes segregation is a good thing. Yes, um, we've talked about it, uh, for a while. We've kind of bemoaned the fact that you can't do anything at Google without having a Google Plus account. Well, Google has dropped the requirement that you have to have Google Plus when you do like, uh, create a YouTube or a Gmail account now. So they're not like barring you from it, but if you just want to have Gmail and not the whole Google Plus thing, you can sign up for that. If you just want to do YouTube and not the whole Google Plus community, you can sign up for that. You can go back later and add Google Plus, but um, they're, you know, something that everybody lamented the fact that, oh, we can't. I use lamented a lot. I'm sorry. Everybody hated the fact that you couldn't do anything uh, in the Google universe without it being Google Plus. Well, you know, now. It's not anymore. You know, I don't, I don't know if you can go back and turn off your G plus account, but you don't have to if you're creating a new one, sign up for mm-hmm. Google plus. All right. And then, you know, that's, they really made a push to Google plus everything. So YouTube wasn't YouTube. It was Google plus videos and, and, <clears throat> you know, their, the Picasa thing, they bought that and it was now it's Google plus videos and the Google plus was going to be, it's Google. It is, and they've sort of backed off on that now, and they're starting to break things out. I'm not really sure I understand this fragmentation that people are doing now. So Facebook brought the Messenger app, uh, broke messaging out of their app, and now Google Plus, Google has, has like, now there's a separate mobile app for documents, not just for documents, but for one for sheets and one for docs and one for presentations. You know, there's yeah. been this push for so long to bring things together, and now they're pushing them back apart, and I'm not sure I understand it. Yeah, I don't yeah, either. I used to could pull up email on my Google app on my phone. I every time I can go to it now, but it never loads. It just keeps flashing Gmail, then mail.google.com, and the, the things never load. So I refuse to have a 100 different Google apps on my phone. Uh, I refuse to have, I'm actually thinking about getting rid of my one Facebook app on my phone. I'm certainly not adding another one. So, you know, they're just convincing me that I need their services less and less by trying to force me to have, you know, everything on there. And at the same time, they're rolling everything into Hangouts. 
Yep. They've, you know, Google Voice is now part of Hangouts. They want SMS is now part of Hangouts. Um, I don't, it's, it's odd. And I, you know, I don't understand it's, as a consumer what they're trying to do t- to me and for me. Right. And it, it's, it's weird because it's like one hand doesn't, isn't talking to the other because like you were just saying about Hangouts. Now everything is in Hangouts and I, I'm, Liking it and hating it, so I'm a little bit on the on the shelf when it comes to which way I'm going to fall. But it's weird. I don't understand why one side of Google is breaking things apart, the other side of Google is combining things together. The same thing goes true with Facebook. Why are they breaking everything apart when they have such you know? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, part of Google's can be explained because the guy who kind of founded the whole Google Plus thing, he left Google in April. So, um. You know, I don't know what the new guy coming in, you know, he wants to do his own thing. And, you know, Facebook, all they're trying to do is figure out how to make you see more ads. That's the only, and they figure if you've got two apps going, they can hit you up with ads two different ways. Um, Facebook doesn't really care about their cattle. They just want us to shut up and move while they cram ads down our throat, unfortunately. <laughs> well, it is all about ads. That yeah. ads make the web run right now. That won't always be true, but it is true for now. You know, and television has been around now almost a hundred years and ads still make television run. So. Well, and how many people actually listen to the ads or watch the ads? Unless it's during the Super Bowl, most people bounce them. True, but yeah. it's still enough that people pay for it. Yeah. And this show is brought to you by ads. So, you know, <laughs> ads, ads aren't going anywhere anytime soon. True, but it's it's yeah. it'd be nice if they were a little more, uh, less in your face about things, you know. Yeah. All right, Seth, pick one of the no of the things we have here. We're going along again. Um. Okay. We'll we'll talk about Android. Just why not? Why not? Um, yeah. <laughs> we you know we haven't really talked about them much recently. I don't think. Um. But um, in their latest, hey, we're not copying Apple. We're merely rolling out the same things they do a little bit later. <laughs> um, <laughs> that got me just right. Yeah. Well, you know, because, you know, Apple did that when they released the greatest phone of 2012 uh, with their uh, iPhone 6 Plus. Um, but yeah. So anyway, the next version of Android that comes out is going to have encryption turned on by default. The ability to encrypt has been there for a few generations, but the whole tyranny of the default that we've talked about before, it will now be the default. Um, starting with, I guess, four five, and I don't know what the name of it's going to be. Maybe Android L. It will just be turned on by default. So, uh, and golly, if you listen to like, news media uh government types oh it's just it's hilarious how out of touch they are with anything remotely resembling reality um when they talk about the how illegal this is but um anyway so yeah the next version of android will uh encrypt by default um all of your data see i'm not sure as much as i'm i'm pro security i'm not sure that I would consider this a good thing because gone are the days of simply copying your data and moving it over to a new phone because the encryption is going to be specific to the handset. Plus there is, there's existing CPU and battery overhead 
to constantly, because you can't work with something encrypted. So every time you get to access something, you've got to decrypt it first. Then when you save it, you've got to encrypt it. These are the reasons I have not encrypted my device. However, you know, Android L, um, uh, lemon meringue pie is the best guess anybody has right now. Um, licorice. Licorice, okay. Yes. <clears throat> um, has uh, uh, focused on boosting battery life and getting more out of your processor. And maybe this is why. Maybe the net result in performance is going to be zero because all the performance they gained is going to be used encrypting and decrypting your file system. It could be. I'm sure you'll be able to turn it off. Well, and for yeah, me, but- I, I turned mine on. Mine's on by default. The second I, the, like, when I factory reset my phone after the 444 update bricked it, um, <laughs> I, uh, the very first thing I do is encrypt. So, it, but that's the way I am. And that's kind of why I have encryption on everything else, too. It's just because. I mean, what I, I come to, I'm, I'm, I'm babbling. Encryption is important when encryption is important. But encryption isn't always important. And, you know, for my phone, the idea is I've got a, I've got a lock screen and that's good enough for the casual person. And the determined hacker is going to get to my stuff anyway. It's a lot easier to social engineer my password or con somebody into unlocking my device or whatever than it is to go through all the trouble of decrypting it. And that's still going to be true when your data is encrypted. It will still be easier to guess your password or your or your path or use the, the reset options available to you. It'll still be easier to do that than to try to right. decrypt something. Well, so I think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Well, what isn't these days? Yeah, it doesn't matter no. if it's any good or not. It's just, you know, good for a press release. Yeah. Okay, I think that's all we have to say about that. So it's time for this week in history. History, history, history. Uh, This was a cool one. Uh, September the 25th, 1956, the TAT-1, the first submarine transatlantic telephone cable system, is inaugurated. Before that, it was telegraph uh, they, that were used or uh, wire or radio across the Atlantic. But now, um, 1956, this week in history, you can now make telephone calls across the Atlantic thanks to a cable buried along the Atlantic seafloor. Uh, not so much buried, just dropped. Well, or lay buried <laughs> underwater. So buried at sea. <laughs> buried underwater. I liked it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, and that since then that's been fiber optic, and now it's multiple fiber optics. But yeah, that's right. uh, it's a big deal. It, it yeah. was a step forward. <clears throat> yeah, Without it, where would we, we be? Yeah, we've been doing this for a while because I was going to use Richard Stallman's announcing. Um, uh, uh, whatever is he announced, uh, GNU operating system, but I realized I used that last year. So, um, I was like, wow, I can't use that. We've been doing this for a while. So this week in history, <laughs> we started doing this week in history. Maybe we need to find no, it, it out. It, uh, I've got the first episode and it's been more than a year ago. So next year, when we hit that or when we next hit that, we need, that needs to be your This Week in History. This Week in History, we started doing This Week in History two years ago. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would All be right. cool. Uh, and for our Seth's show closing spectacular, what do you have here to lower my productivity this week so that you look like a better hiring option? 
Okay. Well, this one, um, I figured I would go serious. Um, kidlunches.org. It is a way, um, some schools, if your child, if a child has charges, they will deny them, uh, their meal. And, you know, some people, the only hot meal they get, uh, some kids is at the lunch at school. And so this group has started a charity. They collect donations across the country and they use it to pay off the, um, balances of any kid who has them and like it started out in like Indianapolis um, and it has just kind of spread and now it is kind of uh, nationwide. So I thought it was a pretty cool kid. It is kidslunches.org and um, anyway, that's the website. You can go read about it and see what they're like and you can like donate if you want or not, you know, but come on y'all it's for the children. Well, I find but this th- interesting because every Every school, there's a national free lunch program. And if you're, right. if your, uh, family's income gets to a certain level, you don't have to pay for lunch or breakfast. Right. So these right. are kids whose income says that they should be able to afford to pay for a meal, but are delinquent in their bill. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm not going to say that I, I'm hesitant, but it, it bears further research on why these people aren't paying their bill. Because they right. have the money, right? At least they filled out the paperwork. The assessment has been done. And we all know the government never makes mistakes. So clearly these people are able to pay for their meals because the government says so. But they're not. So my my initial just gut reaction to this is I wonder if they're even asking the question or is this, you know, sort of the government bailout on a small scale? We're not asking why you got behind. We're just bailing you out. Yeah, well, it's kind of... Um you know, but there's a lot of people who maybe they barely qualified and then a parent yeah. lost their job. Or right. Or they qualified sick. nine months ago when school started, but they don't qualify right. now. And then so, they dropped. Yeah. And, you know, and this is one thing. The school gets put in a bad light because that food costs the school money and yeah. the school only has a certain amount of money. And if you're not going to pay for it, then they they can't afford to feed you. And so but at the same token. You know, we force the kid to go to school for eight hours and you're going to say you can't eat anything during the eight hours that you're there. But yet we expect you to learn and be a well-minded student. You know, that's not going to happen. So it puts the school in a no-win situation. Uh, And, you know, I know there's people that abuse everything. So, but. Yeah. It just, you know, I read about this and this has been on my list for a while and I thought I would throw it in there today. Um, But. You know, there are people and I would I would be more for this um, than maybe other things. I don't know. Anyway, you can just go read about you know, it and, and find out if it's something you like. Just to make sure you understand my point, I, I was one of those kids who would not have eaten three meals a day had there not been school. And right. during summer, I didn't the, sometimes, not all the time. But, you know, my, my mother had jobs, a, a single mother. And she had jobs that were not always dependable in their income. And there were times when the Salvation Army or, you know, the the food bank locally or whatever pro- supplied our meals. Uh, so I'm not anti-school uh, lunch programs at all. It, 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 again, as ultra-conservative as I, as I am, I recognize that this is a useful expenditure of public funds. Uh, but the, the, this, the reason this got my attention is that these are people who didn't meet that. And so it makes me wonder what's going on. So I, I don't want you to think that I'm anti-free school free lunches because I 
you know, I'm not going to be dramatic and say I wouldn't be here without them, but I certainly wouldn't have been as well fed without them right. as a child. Well, and anyone who's been in that boat would, would say the exact same thing probably. So, um, yeah, I, it's an interesting one because um, I've, I've been down that road a couple of times myself for other reasons. So, All right. So uh, that's our show this week. If you, uh, if we had a, if we left holes in the discussion, we've covered this issue twice now. If there are holes that we, we we didn't fill, let us know. If you've got other ideas, if we if we said something just totally stupid, well, that's not surprising. Uh, let us know. Uh, you can do all those things over at elementop.com. Uh, click on the contact us button, fill out the form that sends us an email. If you want to skip that middleman, send me an email directly. You can do that at edl at elementop.com. Or if you want your voice to be on the show right alongside mine, you can call 559-IAMOP, free call anywhere in North America. And uh, you can leave us a voice message and we'll put it on the show. Again, we love your feedback. We love doing these feedback shows. And uh, we hope to have many, many more of them. Uh, the best thing you could do for us um, is... Well, the best thing you could do for us would be give us copious sums of money. But short of that, the best thing you could do for us is let other people know about the show. Leave an iTunes review, leave a Stitcher review, leave a uh, Blast.Evan, whatever. Uh, tell people about it. If you want to drop by elementopi.com slash Patreon and pledge some money for the show, awesome. If you're going to be shopping anyway, um, use elementopi.com slash Amazon as your link and go do some do your shopping there. And uh, these are all ways that you can contribute to us. but mostly. Listen to the show. Tell other people about the show. Those, that's what we need you to do. And, uh, and enjoy the show. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, so having said all that, I'm going to say thanks, Chris and Seth, for being here. And as always, you've been an excellent host, the best that I can afford on my side. And uh, that ends this episode of Everyday Voice.